Matthew 4, verse 19, this is Jesus speaking to people, and he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The goal is for him to transform and to change us and to make us into something. I'm sure possibly some missionaries, of course, the scripture that you hear all the time, Matthew 28, verse 19, another scripture from Matthew, another scripture with verse 19, but 28 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Of course, we're looking for a proper name here, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, titles. We know what that name is, the name of Jesus. That is why you baptize in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> and so the goal is for us is to go and to teach all nations and to baptize. Finally, Philippians 3.14, I'm going quickly here because these are familiar scriptures. Paul, he's speaking to a church in Philippi. We had meetings, Crystal and I had meetings at one point when we were in Greece. We had uh, in the city of Thessaloniki, where you have the book of Thessalonians. We had one day off, and we were able to jump on a bus and go over to the city of Philippi. And in Philippi, it is there that we saw actually the ruins. You, you could see the amphitheater. They saw the Bema, where the judgment sees, the elevated area, where in the, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the judgment seat of Christ, or the Bema, where judgment is given. Next to that was the jail. They believe that is where, of course, where Paul and Silas were in the jail. And so Paul now is writing to the church in Philippi. He's no longer resident there. And he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are here and you give us an invitation to follow you. We pray, Lord, that you will speak to us again just to remind us how that you have a purpose for each one of us in our lives. Minister by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And so if I look at a paraphrased translation in English, Colossians 2, verse 13 in the message translation, I like what the paraphrase says. It says, when you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. And so as sinners, we cannot... We cannot respond to God the way that we need to. So the scripture says in the paraphrase, God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. Verse 14, the slate wiped clean, the old arrest warrant canceled and literally nailed to Christ's cross. And so there seems, of course, to be a connection, as you know, between being alive, to sense life, to have purpose in life, and being alive spiritually, but also it, there is a connection of being able to respond to God. Disciple. You look at Webster, of course, the noun is to be a learner, a scholar, and uh, when we look at people, I look around even here, that scholarly people, people have spent their lives for education, both spiritually, secular, in Bible college, that the scripture tells for all of us, we need to be learners, we need to be scholars if we're going to be a disciple. That's what Webster says, a follower to the, an adherent to the doctrines of Christ. In our culture we've even turned that noun into a verb and now we say we're discipling someone and literally that means of course we're teaching or training or bringing someone up but 
this authority that Jesus has employed in sending missionaries. But what does that mean, missionaries to disciple all nations? Because we are called to be learners, to be students, to be practitioners, to be apprentices, even if it's from the very beginning. If you're just new in this church, understand the Lord wants to reach out and touch you, but also he wants you to learn of him and to follow him. And so sometimes when we look at this scripture, the Great Commission, we think, well, that's why we have missionaries. It's to send them to other countries. And if you look at, if you do Facebook, you can go to our Facebook account. It's Wallace Missions, two words, Wallace Missions. You will see our missions video there. You'll see the, the Belgium as far as the border, the boundaries from Germany and France and, of course, the, the uh, North Sea and looking into the Netherlands. But... When some people think of the Great Commission, they think of people going to other nations. But if you listen or if you read the original language to the scripture, the word here is conjugated to go to all nations. The word is ethne as it's conjugated. The lama, and the lama means the word you look up in a dictionary. For example, if I would say I want to look up running, I would look up the word run. And from the word run, the lama, I would understand running. So if you look up the, the word uh, for this, it's ethnos. It's conjugated ethne. But in English, we recognize that word immediately like words like ethnicity or, or uh, ethnic and so it's not just people who go to other nations the call that God has for our lives is right here in Fredericton your goal as a missionary is to go to every ethnic people that you can it's not just your own comfort zone you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone and go at maybe someone who eats different food than you eat maybe people who speak a different language than you speak and, and they're learning English as a second language or a third language. But the Lord asks each one of us to reach in your region wherever you live and to reach into every culture because it, we have to get beyond our comfort zones of simply ministering to our own culture if we're going to do the work of God in our lives. You see, sometimes we think like Jesus, his disciples thought. They were looking for a hero. A local hero. They wanted the Messiah for Israel. Someone who's going to follow their culture. Going to follow their customs. Someone who's going to literally uh, be uh, confirming their prejudices. But they were shocked to find out that Jesus had a global plan. And he does have a global plan. And it's cross-cultural envision what Jesus was presenting. And so they began to realize it was not just Jesus, King of the Jews, but it was Jesus, Savior of the world. And so when you look from the day of Pentecost, as you see the Holy Ghost being poured out, there's interesting things that happen. In Acts chapter 6, you see as the Holy Ghost is moving, that now as they make disciples, there's this profound culture shock, and they see God working in new groups of people. Acts 6, it's actually Jews of background, but they, they speak the Greek language because of the influence of Alexander the Great. They're from other nations. And so they don't speak, the, they don't speak Aramaic. They speak uh, the Greek language in Acts chapter 6. You go to Acts chapter 8, and the Samaritan disciples. Acts chapter 10, and the Gentile disciples of all types. And so there was a, this... Uh, beginning that they were starting to see that it was not just a gospel for the Jews. And all the church needs, all that we need, of course, are fulfilled in us fulfilling God's purposes here on life, here on earth. And this quality of life is made 
real when we are his disciples. If you look at the New Testament, I think it's about 269 times you'll find the word disciple in the New Testament. And you only see the word Christian three times. And so we are called to be disciples. And this process, of course, in one book, The Lost Art of Disciple Making, there are three levels, the convert, the disciple, and worker. And so basically, if you look at a verb, if we are all involved in evangelizing as we do the work, evangelism produces converts. And that's what we want to see is people born again. But when you have converts, then there has to be another process. There is the establishing. There, there's making disciples and as they are established through discipleship as there's follow-up as there is uh, in courses workshops here in the church new home bible studies that it produces disciples but it should never stop there but also as there are disciples then as disciples there needs to be equipping because the lord wants to use each and every one of us to be disciples and to work for his kingdom and so equip in english it works in dutch it does not it doesn't work in French, but this acronym EQUIP sort of works good in English, that if we will be involved in encouraging qualities underdeveloped in people because when we come to Christ they're always the giftings are always underdeveloped but if we will encourage uh, qualities underdeveloped in Christ EQUIP if we will equip it, uh, in people if we will be inver- involved in this process then we see that God's work goes forward there's a f- there's a formation there's a process his e- his yoke is easy and his burden is light I want to jump over some things because I have notes here. If you look at Luke chapter 14, there's some excuses that people gave in the Gospels, but it's easy for us in this 21st century. We too can give excuses why we can't do something for God. But all he's, all he's looking for is someone that says, Lord, I'm seeking that purpose and fulfillment in life that only comes if I'm willing to take a risk. We all have our temperaments. We all have our backgrounds. Mine, I was the poster child. Um, You may not know that when I was in Bible school, I was roommate with Bishop, and I was the poster child of introverts. I was the wallflower. But I realized if I'm going to do something for the Lord, I've got to go beyond my comfort zone and be able to get up and actually say something to people. And I believe that God is going to do something in just a moment, but I want to say this, is that we need to get beyond our comfort zones We need to stretch ourselves. We need to be willing to take some risks in our lives because you never know what you can be in Christ if you'll just get beyond yourself and do what the Lord is asking you. Our aim is to be transformed by Jesus through constant companionship with him. That is why relationship, it's all about Bible reading. It's about prayer. It's about being in the house of God. It's because we need that companionship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul said this in the text, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you look at the paraphrase, the message I'm using, I like what Paul says in verse 14. Paul says, I'm off and running. You see, because for years, stupid, I was stupid. I thought, well, if I press toward the mark, I'm thinking, well, the mark's got to be a bullseye. 
If there's a mark, it's got to be the size of this microphone, a little black circle and on a piece of paper, and I'm shooting for a bullseye. So I'm thinking it's competitive. Maybe it's archery. Maybe it's throwing axes or throwing knives. But I was completely out to lunch when I thought that's what it was because, again, the three rules of theology is, number one, context. Number two is context. And number three is context. And so I didn't read the context. But if you look here, you can look at what the context is. Paul says, I'm off and running. There's the context. It's a road race. I'm running. And I'm not turning back. So verse 15, so let's keep focused on the goal. If you want the abundant life that God has for your life, you have got to have a goal spiritually and say, God, that's my goal. I want to fulfill what you want to do literally in my life for your kingdom. And so we're going to have an altar call in just a moment that we can say, Lord, I surrender to what your purpose and your plan is if I am simply just sort of pushing it away. It says, I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused. That's my problem today. I can't focus. I literally cannot see my notes. But there's spiritually sometimes that's the same way it is that we, I can see you after, for years I had glasses, I had laser surgery, so I can see you not so, not so well tonight because of what's just happened, but I can see you. But it's a little bit blurry, but sometimes spiritually we can have the same spiritual sight. We can see, but we really just don't see the Lord the way we need to see the Lord. We don't see the things of God the way we really need to see the things of God. So Paul says that keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. Do you want everything God has for you in your life? Paul says this is the purpose. You've got to focus. He says if you want everything, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, it says literally, God will clear your blurred vision and so that you will see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. And this next sentence jumped out from the scripture when I read it. The world wants to stay on easy street. That sums up my flesh. My flesh wants to live on easy street. The world, the system of this world wants me to live on easy street. But if I'm going to please God, there comes a point, there has to be a fight inside of us that says, I am not going to live on easy street. There's something inside of me that says, I'm going to stretch, I'm going to risk, I'm going to lean into it. There is a goal. When you look at the woman who has had a chronic disease and for 12 years she's hemorrhaging and she cannot find any relief and she's paid all she can pay to the doctors and she's, she's poor, she has nothing left, she does not have her health, but you will read in the scripture in Mark chapter 5 as she comes to Jesus she says I've got to press through the crowd and if I can just get through the crowd if I can just even just touch the bottom of his robe I know I will be healed and so for 12 years she has been literally dying but now she comes to Jesus Christ and in one touch instead of dying now she is alive for 12 years a chronic disease but she has been transformed by the power of God that's the narrative. Inside that narrative is another narrative that for 12 years there's a young late, there's a young girl who has been living but now all of a sudden quickly she is dying and now J. Iris comes to Jesus and says, J. Iris says will you come and will you pray for my daughter? Will you heal my daughter? And so J. Iris is willing to take a risk in his life. He is at a personal crisis. He has got to break beyond his peers and his cultural traditions in order to seek help because 
understand he's the ruler of the synagogue and so every member of that worship center are going to judge him instead of going to the cultural background of the Jews he's going to Jesus Christ and he's asking Jesus to touch his daughter but he has made up his mind if it even costs me my job I don't care about my career I care about my daughter more than I care about tongues that are wagging more than I care about my job more than I care about my pension or my future because he had a daughter who was dying and so J. Iris was willing to take a risk and so Jesus of course he, he goes because J. Iris was desperate desperate to see his daughter's life transformed. Now, in regards to Jesus, you know the story. She actually, as they're traveling, she dies. In regards to Jesus, he was the controversial rabbi. And so the Jews follow him, and many of the Jews take offense at him and his teaching. And so as Jairus falls at the feet of Jesus, some of the members in the synagogue are criticizing him severely. Jesus arrives at the house, and he takes his daughter by the hand, and Jesus takes risk because now as he touches a dead body he violates Jewish custom he's now made unclean he does not care he's willing to take a risk furthermore a Jewish man would never touch a woman especially a Jewish rabbi but Jesus does not care because he is willing to take a risk J. Iris is willing to take a risk the hemorrhaging woman is willing to take a risk and so we too if we're going to please God we have to say to ourselves, I've got to get off easy street and I need to be willing to take some risk in our lives. Take a risk. The flesh wants me to stay that way. But I'm saying in conclusion, if we will take a risk, if you'll come back to the music, if you would, we were meant, every one of us, to be inhabited by God. Every one of us, full of the Holy Ghost. And to live by a power that is outside of ourselves. We will not find that living, that abundant life unless we're willing to take a risk and push beyond our comfort zone and to get beyond ourselves and say, Lord, the power comes in and through you. Human problems cannot be solved ever by human means. And so Paul's conclusion, as I conclude tonight, is to press toward the mark. You see, the original terminology was not meaning pressing, but actually stretching forward, stretching myself out. Everyone in that era understood. They knew about the Olympic Games. In fact, in Corinth, they had their own games. It was called the Isthmian Games. And so road race, you know, when people would run, it was always common that people would run. And so people would run fast. But when they got to somewhere along the track, at some point there was chalk, in a, there was chalk along the, the dirt or there was a rope that was strung across the pathway or two poles. But somewhere there was a finish line. And so as people would run and they would run, but all of a sudden you've seen it so many times. That as someone would run the race, you don't run and you don't practice. You don't go and train for months and months and months just to say, my goal is to run and so I can, I can lose the race. You run so you can win. And so we also are running, but Paul says we need to stretch. We need to press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so as they face this finish line, you see the runners. Maybe there's someone two feet behind here, and this person's 1.5 feet behind. But as they run, you see everyone as they're close, and it's neck to neck, that all of a sudden you see this awkward stretch, and all of a sudden, instead of running upward, then they, they do this awkward stretch, and they finish like this. Do you ever notice why the runners say, well, I, I put my hand over the line first, I, I won. They never see someone stick their hand out. 
You never see someone running all of a sudden do this and say, my foot went over the line. Because the rule says, if you look it up, it has to be your torso. Whoever's torso crosses the line first. And so as someone runs, they run, but at the end, they press toward the mark. They stretch. They are willing to take a risk in their lives. And so Paul is saying, as he's summing up his life and and passing it on to others, if you want that fulfillment in your life, if you want to be a true disciple of Jesus, somewhere in your life, get out of easy street. Get beyond yourself. Push yourself and stretch and become what Jesus wants you to be. I press toward the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Stand to your feet. If you will. Just lift your hands if you would. Or face. Jesus, we want to lean into it. We want to lean into what you desire. There's always a possibility of falling. And many of us have fallen many times. But there's a greater possibility that God, as we stretch and as we go forward, that we will hear the words, winner, well done, winner takes all. Lord, we want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the presence of the Lord. And so, Lord, as we come tonight to pray, we're going to come and the universal sign in the world of surrender is when we lift our hands up, we surrender to your purpose. And we want to lean into it, God, and say, Lord, I've got to be willing to take some risk in my life. And so here I am offering myself to what you want to do and how you want to work in my life. The altar's open if you want to come and pray. If you want to put your mask on, if you feel more comfortable with the mask, but come and pray. And let's come and seek God. And let's come and pray for someone else. Why don't you say, Lord, I'm willing to lean into it. I'm willing, God, to get, take some risk and to commit myself and dedicate myself and be, Lord, the person that you have determined that I will be if I will simply get off easy streets. And so, God, I shake myself. I shake off the dust. I push myself. I dedicate myself. I offer myself as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. Have your way in my life, God. Here am I. Choose me. Here am I. Lord, God, work in my life. Let me be the disciple. Let me be the missionary in my city. Let me go to some ethnic person, God, meaning some other person beyond my comfort zone of culture and custom in this city. God, I want to reach people. Let me see as you see. Use me, I pray. Let's pray out loud, please. Let's pray out loud. He understands you in your mind, but he loves to hear your voice. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, God. I want to take a risk. I dedicate myself to you and your purpose in Jesus' name.